What's up, everybody? Pathlin here, and welcome to episode 1,231 of Ask Pat 2.0. You're about to listen to a coaching call between myself and an entrepreneur just like you. And today we're speaking with Jeff Gargas over at teachbetter.com. He and his company with 25 employees helps teachers teach better. And they do events, they have courses, they work with a lot of curriculum directors and, and things like that. You can check out their conference at teachbetterconference.com. But again, teachbetter.com. And I just absolutely love the work that they're doing. And Jeff presented something really interesting today as far as a lot of the, not just like curriculum related things, but how do we balance all the things that we are promoting and who are we promoting to? Right. Because in this case, the teachers are it's interesting. He brings up a concept called the Toys R Us model, which he even says is a bad name for a model because Toys R Us didn't make it, although they're still alive in Canada, I hear. But the idea that Toys R Us markets to kids, but it's the parents who are the ones who make the purchase. And in this case, the teachers are the ones who are being marketed to through free content and all those kinds of things. And it's the administrators, it's the curriculum directors, the principals sometimes are the ones that are making the decisions and are, are Paying. So there's a lot of really interesting things going on here. And we make some really, really big decisions, especially when it comes to things like pricing, which I know is a topic that a lot of you are interested in as well. So a lot to uncover here. This is a really deep conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here he is, Jeff Gargas, and you can check him out at teachbetter.com. Jeff, welcome to Ask Pat. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? I am doing awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to get to know you and to see what we can do to help you out. Why don't you introduce yourself to us and we can take it from there. Yeah, so my name is Jeff Gargas. I'm the COO and one of the co-founders of a company called Teach Better. Teach Better Team is what we're typically known by, teachbetter.com. We are an agency that works with school teachers and school districts, primarily in the United States, but also in Canada and actually educators from all around the world. Our goal is to help educators feel connected and supported and inspired to be better every day so that they can then provide opportunities and create the environments for learners to really maximize their potential and become members of society that that bring their full potential to that. Uh, we do that in a lot of different ways, primarily by providing consultant work and strategic planning for districts and professional development in the form of training and ongoing training for, for educators. But then we do a whole lot of other stuff as well alongside of that. But I operate in sort of the, the COO role, so a lot of the operations. But of course, as anyone listening probably knows, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so Teach Better, that's awesome. I love what that is doing. Where did that start for you? How did that company begin? Where was the origin of that? Yeah, so we've been going for about seven years. Uh, it's kind of an interesting origin. And I'm, I'm going to do my best to keep it short. I don't do short well. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's okay. Wow, so you cut me off. I need to. So my co-founder, Chad Ostrowski, and I, we actually met in another life where I had, I actually founded and, and ran an independent record label for a while. And Chad was a drummer in a band that I managed for a while. Oh, wow. And then we coached some soccer together. And then I went off and started an online marketing firm where I did website design, social media, and things of that nature. And Chad became a teacher. And Chad was in a very tough district where he was a few years in, he started really struggling with his students and out of desperation created something that we now call the grid method, which is a framework that's proprietary to us. This is one of the many things that we train on. And when it started kind of picking up speed because he was having the results in his room and other teachers started asking questions, stopping him hall, he came to me and said, hey, I want to do like an ebook or something so that they can go get this. And uh, we met and sort of our internal, our famous line or my famous line was, dude, we're not just doing an ebook. The results he was getting uh, for his students, but also for like him as a teacher and as a father and as a husband were just, uh, for me, too incredible. And the fact that other teachers were now taking it 
and seeing the same results, I told him, I said, something's here. I think we should take this and share this with other people. I told him that day, I said, we were across at a BW3s eating wings. And I said, I think you're going to change the world, dude. And he'll tell you he didn't believe it then, but he does now. And so we just started sharing it, creating content, you know, writing blogs, doing videos, did an online course and, and started taking him out and presenting at as many conferences as we can. And it just continued to snowball and grow over the years. And seven years later, we're here. We've got a team of 24 now and all around the country and actually two members in Canada as well and helping teachers all over the world. So that's incredible. As far, it's been a journey. It sounds amazing. I, I definitely want to dive in so everybody can check out teachbetter.com to, to learn more about the story and see Chad. And, and I see that we could go even deeper in terms of like the philosophy of the company and, and what you all do. But I'm curious about like the business model specifically. How is money being generated for the company as a result of, because the education space is quite difficult, you know, especially um, with a lot of red tape and a lot of things like that involved. So t tell me a little bit about that and then I'll start asking some other questions. Yes, yeah, so we have a few different ways that we do generate revenue, but the absolute bulk majority of it is from consultant services and doing the actual professional development for teachers. So we do the training, the ongoing training and continuous development that teachers go through. And so a lot of that is, you know, they're required by, by different, different states have different requirements for how many days they are allowed to and that they need to have professional development days, but then also districts will go above and beyond that sometimes as well. So we work with the districts and sometimes at the, at the building level or, uh, or at the full district level where we work with the administrative team, the, the leadership team there to figure out where your kids struggling and how can we help support your teachers to help fill those gaps, right? And then we usually take out a plan. What we typically go for is can we lay out a three to five year plan of how do we do this because nothing's going to happen overnight. And then we work with either most of the time us also fulfilling the needs or the, the training needs, the workshops, the consulting, the following up, the coaching, stuff like that. Or we have a wide network that we might reach out to as well if we have if they have a very specific need that we don't necessarily have the expertise in-house. And so that's where the like the bulk, about 96% of our revenue comes from that. 90, well, it's probably closer to 90 now. Some some other things are doing are slowly growing, but that is the bulk of it right there. Gotcha. And then so the customer is actually the district, right? Not the teachers. The teachers are getting access to the programs, the workshops that the district works with. You. Yeah, our typical, our target is, is typically someone who's in curriculum and instruction. So a lot of times it's someone who's titled a curriculum director, depending on how the district is structured, that might be um, a principal that has that that sort of that, that role or an assistant superintendent or actual superintendent, depending on the level of the district, but someone or the people that are involved with the direction of how does that school district believe kids should be instructed and, and guided in their learning path. And that is our way. So gotcha. How do you open up the doors to those conversations? Is it Chad speaking on stage at events and then having people come in that way? Or is there like a, a sales process that I can get familiar with a little bit? Yeah. So some of that we really from the start. So I usually with my clients when I did, I, I worked with small businesses and, and well, even some medium sub businesses doing content marketing. So I'm a true believer in content marketing uh, and like the epic content marketing uh, model, uh, content ink model, if you're familiar with Joe, pleasing them. And so we began that way. And we kind of took a, and this is what I always say this because it's a really bad reference because they didn't make it. But the Toys R Us model of Toys R Us, the purse strings were the mom or dad, but they marketed to the kids. So the kids pull on the pant legs, right? In our world, the teachers are the kids, not to call teachers kids, but like we market and we do so much to kids. It's really weird. Sometimes when you look at it is that, you know, 90% give or take of our marketing efforts are directly to teachers where they're not the ones. And then we do sell some and some, what we talk about today is the courses and we have some swag and stuff like that, but that's such a small percentage. And we didn't want to really, we didn't want to target and try to take money from teachers who are already underpaid, underappreciated, overworked. 
would gladly take it from state-funded money to schools because that's what it's there for. So that's how we typically market that way by creating a lot of blogs. We worked really hard for the first three years. We still do, but we built a really strong base on our website to have strong SEO, organic traffic. We've never done ads or any kind of advertising, paid stuff. It's all been organic, but also doing things like going out to conferences and speaking and putting on virtual events. We, we actually put on a conference in 2019. We're doing it again this year here in Ohio. Primarily, it's just been that. It's been growing it on social media and organic growth, building up our email list, utilizing a Facebook community. And then you get one or two teachers that are testing things out or say, hey, we really like these guys. You should bring them in. And then the conversations typically lead that way. Or, you know, an admin actually obviously comes into that, stumbles across a course and stuff like that too. So I like that model because you're serving those who actually need service the most for free using content and SEO, like you said. But then if you blow their minds, they're going to talk and they have been talking and they're inviting the right people, the decision makers to come in and, and get more of you. So that's, I love that. So where do you want to focus today? What's on your mind? As I mentioned, you know, with, with the consultant pieces being like the PD being our biggest driver, we do have an online academy, teachbetteracademy.com, where we have, I think we're at 30, 40 or so different courses that we've put out. And we put out a course every 30 to 45 days, which is quite a bit. I'll kind of allude to why that is. So we started with a couple courses initially was just on the good method. We figured out, well, not everyone's ready for that because it's a pretty big shift to mastery learning and stuff. So we're like, well, maybe they just need something on some student behavior management or just graded and stuff like that. So we started doing more. And then as more people joined our team, they got expertise, they have passions and all that type of stuff. So we started doing we have a wide variety of courses and we sell those for $49 for a single license or for free. And we generally go every other course is free because we like to have that free. They are one of our biggest generators as far as building our email list is those free courses. And we also love the idea of them getting <laughs> free access to your point. You know, I've always told the team, I said, if we, I from day one wanted to build it so that someone could come and, and completely change the way they teach to impact their students better without paying us a dime. And to your point, how you alluded to earlier, if we do that enough, the schools will call. And it's a long process to work. So the course has been one of the ways that we do that. So it's been growing and it's done well on that. We, we have a, sorry, I, I got off track there. We have a, a $9 a month membership as well, which is our Teach Better Academy membership. So for nine bucks a month, they get all the courses that are in there plus every new course that comes out. So that's really where most people go at this point. No brainer. There's a couple thousand dollars worth of courses in there for nine bucks a month. Like it'll take you forever to catch up and you're never going to because we're putting out a new course all the time. Where I'm kind of struggling, we have seen a, and to lay it all out there, the academy revenue has grown consistently year over year um, nicely, but it's still only about four-ish percent of our, probably not it's, three to 4% of our, our revenue on average. So still a very small piece. We would really like to see that become a bigger piece. We want that become, you know, because I, I obviously once we put the course out there, that course becomes passive income. You know, our, the, we use Teachable, the yearly subscription Teachable is so ridiculously low, like it's easily taken care of. So we really want to grow that and we love it. We also think it gives access to so many more people who can't get their administrator to bring us in or they don't have the PD days to do it. They don't have the budget to do it, so on and so forth. There's a lot, of stuff that goes in there. We'd like to see it grow. We've seen a little bit of a decline over the last six or seven months, which could a lot be attributed to a lot going on in our industry as well. But it's been small, but when then we've, it's kind of bounced back and forth. And more importantly, we're not seeing the strong inclines when we see those in our courses. And what I'm trying to figure out, we've been toying with the idea of raising the prices. We're a little back and forth because- That's where I was going to go first. $49 is really, really cheap. And we also know like there's enough value there. We could probably charge several hundred dollars in the courses but we're also some of the teachers. We don't like the idea of charging too much, but we've been looking at some others in the industry and we're very low compared to most. So we've looked at that. 
potentially raising the pricing of the, the academy as well. But also for me, I'm like, I want to make sure that we're also not just increasing the revenue based on that, but also just actually increasing the new signups and the new members. And so I'm trying to figure out, I'm playing this game in my head. And this is where I'm kind of hoping that you could help me talk us through to figure this out is, are we seeing the declines or the not as much of an incline because we're too focused on putting out a new course every 30, 45 days? And the reason for that is I don't want those membership folks. I want them to constantly feel that value coming and coming and coming. And I worry, am I focused too much on that so that we're not pumping out as high quality? Maybe we could focus more on, and I think it's very high quality, don't get me wrong, but could we put more effort in if we run we do in three or four a year where we're able to maybe make it more interactive and explore with some different stuff like that? Our courses are fairly basic in the terms. They're typically a video. There's some downloads, there's usually challenges, maybe some worksheets, stuff like that. And some of them are just straight up, you know, just someone over some slides and on in the video, like, if we did fewer a year, could we one, charge more per and two, put more into them? Or is there something I'm not thinking? Like, so, you know, I'm kind of back and forth between that or should we be pumping out even more? And that's that's the case. Or is it simply just to raise the prices and maybe that'll, there's a mindset of people looking at 49 and going, oh, maybe they're not that great. Where if they're all 79 a piece or 100 a piece, even if you raise that membership price to like 15, it's still a, a, even a bigger deal because that, the value goes up in high, right? So I'm just kind of, I'm back and forth in my head trying to figure it out. And that's why I want to bring, because this doesn't get, it gets attention, but I don't think this conversation, like we don't have as much attention on it internally because it's such a small portion of our revenue. I'm pro, I have no, followed you forever. I'm like, okay. And thank you, Jeff. I need to talk to Pat today about this. <laughs> that's yeah, let, let's, let's talk this through. You know, there's a, re- there's a lot of interesting things here. The first thing that comes to mind is what's the retention rate on the membership? Because you talked about better, courses, putting more quality into them. But if people are buying and they're staying, then the courses are great, they're working. And just because the courses are better doesn't mean you're going to sell more Then we need to focus on the positioning and the messaging up front in order to do that. Better courses necessarily, like they are already doing their job, it seems. Like what's the retention rate on the, or, or the churn level on the, on the membership? Pretty good, it has very slightly started to decline where we're losing a little more we're having a more turnover than we were like when i see the numbers like it's it's not concerning like we might lose one or two in a month and then not for any okay yeah that's nothing but then we've had some months where we have five or ten go where i'm like well we never had that before we don't have one here one two whatever when this question started going we had five or six months where it was a constant where we had like five go away then like ten go away then like five go like it was just constant um, so it's not much, it's not, and we only have, a, there's only a few thousand in there altogether. So like those numbers again, are relevant. To yeah. I mean, that's really good. I mean, the deal is massive that they're getting, right? It's definitely recommended to have sort of an exit survey so that you can understand why people are leaving. Cause then that'll give you information that you can use for keeping people in and also selling more product because a person might be thinking that already and not buying because of the same reasons a person might be leaving. So just a little, a little tactic there, but there is this idea of the perceived value of the courses, right? And, you know, I don't necessarily think that 49 is a bad price, but raising the price is obviously gonna help you generate more income. But what is the goal there? I kinda wanna pull back a little bit because somebody has to make a decision on, well, how big do we want this to be and what's its purpose? And if we were to focus more effort into it, what might we be saying no to or focusing less on? Like we don't want to bring more people into here, but compromise the consulting, right? You definitely don't want to do that Uh, because like on one extreme, you could charge top dollar for the courses and yes, you'd have fewer people in there, but you'd be making more money, right? And you'd probably get a better quality student who's going to 
take action and all that kind of stuff, but you'd be serving less people overall. But let's go to the other extreme. Let's just imagine a world where we literally give away all of the courses for free. And of course, that's making zero dollars up front. But is that doing anything to A, fulfill the mission of helping more teachers and B, actually selling more of the consulting that is your bread and butter? There's a lever there that we can pull and it might be exactly where it needs to be, but then we just need to be okay with the fact that it's likely going to be a smaller price and less revenue, but that's okay because we are helping more people and more people are getting in the door that will then help us with the consulting. So there's there's like a lever and somebody has to figure out where do we want that to be? So what are your what's your reaction to sort of that thought experiment? I'm smiling laughing because that's like you you just perfectly like laid out sort of the uh, a struggle that I have in my head and, and our team has is that because like you, like you said on one end is it's not making as much money but it's such a small portion of our revenue right now is it okay because it has a bigger impact right in the mission standpoint? Versus if we go this way, does it potentially lose a little bit of the impact, but we're generating more revenue? And I go, well, that's pro and con there, but also if we generate more revenue, that it overall, in theory, should allow us to have a bigger impact overall. So how do we find that middle? One thing that I, I sort of, I forgot to mention that we do really utilize this for also is when we're working with our clients and the consultant, a lot of times we'll wrap the academy membership into deals with them, which allows us to tack on a huge price increase when we give them a huge discount too, because there's no additional cost to us. So there's a pro to that where regardless which way we go, that's still a pro. Um, so it's always there. You know, that's and that's sort of the struggle that I have and our team has also is that what you just laid out is do and, and I guess I don't know the answer to the question of do we need it to be 25% of our revenue or do we have a dollar amount that we need it to do? Me personally, I want to see it grow every year, but I don't know that I, I haven't thought through like but what percentage I want it to grow and why. So those are questions that I need to take back. Like instead of the question of well, like percentage of revenue, I think that's a smart question that a, a good COO would ask. However, what if it was just how do we make this the most impactful business overall? And I think that I do feel like it needs to be something you charge for. There's a perceived value there. There It anchors the other things that you have going on. I love the idea of using that and utilizing it as a value add for those who are getting consulting and, and such. That's something that you could license to a district or a principal for much more than you could charge a, a teacher for. Uh, to me, I almost feel like it could remain as is, but the focus isn't well, it's just a small percentage of our audience. It's actually a large percentage of how people come in the door. And that's like, they, they both serve two different purposes. And it's okay that one is making a little bit less. For example, we have specific things in our business where we're making far less money, like my books, for example. It's like not even on the radar in terms of overall income, but it's having the biggest impact of bringing more people in. And I do see some money coming in. I, of course, want it to grow. But I think that, what'll happen is, and just imagine you have more people coming into the membership, that's going to grow your consulting. So the percentage of revenue is always going to likely remain the same. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just both are going to be higher. And, unless the consultant falls down, which is, <laughs> so, that, right? Like if that percentage grows 25, that doesn't necessarily mean it was a good thing because if our consultant has dropped, that doesn't mean, right? So the focus on the overall. Right, that could be a bad thing, actually. And, and to your point, similar to the book, I think like the book, there's a legitimacy factor, right? When you have a book and we have that too. I got a book. You can see the almanac, not not my book. I should, I push that to the side. The back to future is more important, but the same thing there. We look at the courses kind of do that as well. As you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, like having the academy, there's a bit of a legitimacy also, 
And that's something I think maybe I kind of write off sometimes of another purpose of it. Yeah, and again, the fact that you charge for it, you can offer it for free to specific people who might need it and they're gonna feel much more value from it as a result of that. So I wouldn't just make it free overall like a Khan Academy situation, but it can have this amazing impact despite it being a lower percentage of revenue. So it's just a mindset shift on its purpose and that's perhaps a conversation that you can have with your team and, and chat and see kind of how they react to that. You know, yes, it is important to diversify, but at the same time, I think I heard somebody say diversification is just a fool's game. It just means that you, you don't believe in the main thing that you're investing in, right? It just means that you aren't super secure in what it is that you are actually putting your time and money and effort into. And, 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 and that really impacted me because I was the person who was trying to create a stock portfolio that had like 50 stocks that all sort of was like, well, if this one goes down, then this one can keep it from being too bad. And like, it all kind of was checks and balances. But then I realized, well, this is defense that I'm playing. I want to play offense. The stocks that you really believe are going to grow, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And they don't always grow, but when they do, it's more fulfilling, but it also, you know, is I'm making more money doing that. If we get to that point, and I feel like I'm already there, I think this conversation has shifted my mind where I'm okay where it's at and the purpose that it's serving and the percentage doesn't matter as long as it's, as long as we're not seeing a, a massive exodus of our users that's telling us that something's wrong and it's growing, I think we're okay. So the second part of the question, then if all that's true and we're comfortable with that, should we even be considering the increase or um, pricing? So say from like a 49 to a 79 and from a $9 a month to a $14.99, because that would increase the revenue. Now, obviously we could watch the data to see like, hey, if does it increase? Did that just, we just lose a bunch of customers or not? Or do we get no new ones? Or should we be able to sit back and say, hey, it's Pat said it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> well, hey, that's not the, the reason to do anything, but I am just the guide to help spur more conversations. But if we all agree like, hey, yeah, we're, we are happy with it. It's serving this purpose. And as long as we look at it that way, we're good. Should the conversation of the increase even happen, I guess, is now what's torn in my head. It definitely should because we want to nail that price point to a place where it balances the perceived value and what it has to offer, but also being still accessible. If you charged 50 cents to get access to it, for example, well, then it's like, well, this is cheap material and I'm just going to, you know, it's it's not going to be great. And yes, you are charging for it, but still at that lower level, it is likely not going to get people to take any action at all. Perceived values down, even though the accessibility. Ex exactly. Up. Or the other way, it's $1,000 to get access to, $1,000 per month. Like, let's just go to the other extreme. I love playing these thought experiments, right? $1,000 per month. You're, you're likely going to get no takers. It's very inaccessible to this particular audience. However, it must be pretty darn valuable to be priced at that point. So there is a, not perfect price, but there is a price point that would make the most sense. And perhaps if you wanted to experiment with that, you could. The trouble is it's easier to go up and it's harder to go down later, but at the same time, that's not usually as big of a worry as we think. So there's a few things that we can also do with a price increase. You can use an upcoming price increase to market now. And this is actually what we're doing with SPI Pro. I don't know if you heard, but we're actually doubling the price point for SPI Pro come June. So this next enrollment period is the last time that it's going to be available at the price that you have access to it. And don't worry, your price... I was going to say, as a current member, does mine stay? <laughs> no, your price stays. It but you create that, you're creating that a little bit of the FOMO of getting in now, because, or the sense of urgency more than FOMO, the get in now while it's low versus, yeah. So you could even increase it by even just a couple dollars a quarter. 
and to a point where you, you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, this is good. It's, it's working or wow, we just saw a, a whole bunch of people, you know, back out. But then of course this grandfather people in because they don't want to leave and then have to come back and pay more. So it is going to take a little bit of experimentation, but I wouldn't say that it's the right price right now. It's obviously working, but play some scenarios, some financial scenarios and, and whatnot, and, and just imagine what it might be like to increase the price a little bit. And I think that if everybody on the team sort of feels a gut reaction of like, yeah, we should charge more because this is of value, right? That's really where we want to make sure it still remains. Like people are still getting value for the price that they're paying many times over. And in many cases, the difference between $9 a month and 14, if the value is there, isn't going to be much of a difference at all. I mean, we still pay however much for Netflix. Honestly, that's kind of where we kind of grabbed. When we initially set the, the price, it was our conversation was, let's go nine bucks because Netflix is 10. And because we, we were thinking about that, like that's a that's a subscription that doesn't feel super. And we would kind of go on that route. So and I like that in the marketing, it's like, hey, you pay this much for Netflix. Well, you only have to pay this much for this. And this is going to help your career, help you with those hours that you need. And, you know, I don't know if they get access to a community or anything like that as well, but there's there's a lot of value in there. And I like, you know, we often say like, you know, for the price of one coffee per week, you know, you can get access to this. And that's, again, some, uh, like those analogies work really well. I like that a lot. And the community piece might come later. That might, I might have to come back on and talk about that. That's. Yeah. It, I mean, you're obviously seeing what a community can do in SPI Pro. and, and Yeah. I, well, I love SPI Pro in, in Circle. Thank yeah. you. But yeah, what else? We got a few more minutes left. You mentioned, you you briefly touched on maybe like increasing the price a, little, a couple bucks every quarter. And my first reaction was, oh, I really like that. Like, because then we get to test it each quarter or every or whatever, every six months. But then my mind went the other way of like, I'm worried if for like three quarters in a row, we're increasing prices, our audience going to go like, why are you guys keep increasing the price? Like, is there a negative outlook to that? Or is that just me being thinking way too deep into that? Yeah, it's a valid thought versus just doing it all at once. And it's like, hey, we raised it and we're not going to raise, you know, we're not going to raise it again for another three years because I think raising it twice would make sense within a year you know, eventually we're going to end up there. Okay. That's what I was, that was my next question is like, so would you use that in the marketing? Um, even if we did it four times, like, Hey, we're going to eventually get here. We're going to go slowly. So you got multiple opportunities to get in before you miss out. Yeah. I mean the, the messaging, you got to be careful with that because it, it can read as like very internet marketing, right? If, if, if you do it wrong. So, you know, I think again, with any price increase at all, you have to give a reason why it's happening, right? And the reason shouldn't be because we want you to buy, right? It should be because there's so much value here and we're putting a lot more time and resources into it. Or we've now reached X number of courses, we're raising the price to adjust for that and for the support for that, right? Therefore, over the next year, we're gonna be increasing the price point starting next month, we're gonna increase it to $12 a month so make sure to get in now while you can. You don't have to lay out the entire plan for them. Um, and then maybe you decide at that point that 12 is perfect and then you don't have to raise it after that, right? You can kind of take it in increments and see what the reaction is. Interesting. Cool, Jeff. Well, hey, tell everybody where they can go to learn more about the company and check it out. Yeah, everything's over at teachbetter.com. We are Teach Better at Teach Better Team on all the social media networks. And anybody wants to reach out to me personally, I'd love to connect. I'm just Jeff, J-E-F-F at teachbetter.com or Jeff Gargas on all the social media channels. So. Nice. Thank you, man. Appreciate you and keep up the good work. Appreciate you. 
All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff. As I said earlier, definitely deep stuff in a good way, right? We are talking about a business that is established and how can we continue to move forward in a way that makes sense for the business model, for our target audience and the decision makers as far as who is purchasing. And some really good conversation there. So I hope you enjoy that. And again, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And, and if any of you or your team are listening, thank you for being you and doing what you're doing to help teachers get better. Teachbetter.com, check them out. Thank you so much and just appreciate you all for listening in. I hope that you enjoy the show. If you do, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the most helpful spot to do it. We're also on Spotify as well. And I think you can leave a review on Spotify now, just like a star review. And again, be honest with your review as well. And for those of you who are interested in joining other entrepreneurs in your journey and maybe getting set up in a mastermind group with people and getting challenged, getting accountability, I would highly recommend you check out SPI Pro if you haven't already. You can apply there and see if it's the right fit for you and would love to serve you in there and, and have you join the community. This is gonna be the center of our business. It is the center of our business now because it's just providing the best feedback we've ever gotten from anything that we've done. So if you wanna check it out, again, go to spipro.com and apply there and I uh, look forward to seeing you there. Anyway, take care, thanks so much and make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on the next upcoming episodes, which I guarantee are gonna be awesome and help you out. Cheers, take care, and as always, Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to Ask Pat at askpat.com. I'm your host, Pat Flynn. Our senior producer is Sarah Jane Hess. Our series producer is David Grabowski. And our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. Ask Pat is a production of SPI Media. We'll catch you in the next session. Hey there, thank you for listening to Ask Pat 2.0. Now, you might have noticed that we haven't published a new episode in a while. And that is because in 2023, after 1,269 episodes, we decided to sunset the show, for now at least. And this way, we can focus our energy and efforts on our other podcasts and other projects. That being said, all 1,269 episodes are still live and downloadable, and the published dates may be old, but there are still a ton of questions I've answered on the show and people I've coached. Those episodes are just as valuable as they were back then. So you can also visit smartpassiveincome.com slash askpat to dig through the archives. Plus, there's a search tool on the website that lets you search across our podcasts and blog. And of course, the Smart Passive Income podcast is still live and energetic and awesome and publishing twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed there so we can still continue this conversation. And we have some of the foremost experts and thought leaders in entrepreneurship on the show every single week. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, check it out. It's the Smart Passive Income podcast. Just find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find it there as well. Thank you again for listening in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.